This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hi, everyone. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Welcome to Yoga Birth Babies, a podcast produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. We will be diving into everything prenatal yoga, birth, and baby-related, hoping to inspire, educate, and empower you through your journey into motherhood. Thank you for listening. Hi, I'm Deb Blaschenberg, and I'm your host of Yoga Birth Babies. And today we have one of my favorite type of episodes. We have a birth story. Actually, we have three birth stories because my guest, Hannah Bredman, has been with PYC for all three of her births. And so she recounts a little bit of each birth, and she talks about how they were similar, but also how they were different and what she learned as she went through pregnancy, through pregnancy, through pregnancy. One thing she also shares, which I'm very excited for you to hear, is how she learned to trust her body and how she learned to really listen to her body. We talk about how we do that on the yoga mat and how that influenced her and gave her that deep understanding of what her body needed to do to birth her babies. During her last birth, she shared that her care provider said, okay, Hannah, we're going to do this. And she said, no, no, we're not. This is how I need to be. And I think it just takes such courage to know to hold on to what is authentic to you and what you believe is right for you and your baby, even when your care provider or figure of authority is saying, we're going to do it this way. I'm excited for you to hear that. You'll understand the whole picture in a few minutes when you start to listen. Um, But I want to share a little bit about Hannah. So as I mentioned, she's been with us for three pregnancies. Hannah was born and raised in Atlanta, Georgia, and has been living in New York City for the past 15 years. Hannah is a New York City public school teacher and the mother of three wonderful daughters. Hannah enjoys running and has run two New York City marathons, one of them when she was five weeks pregnant. She also shares that story and how she also is really learning on the moment, in the moment, to listen to her body. She she really has such gems to share. Before we get to that story, I just want to go over a few things happening at Prenatal Yoga Center. So we've continued with our classes seven days a week online. It's something I'm incredibly proud of that we still offer. And we have in-studio classes six days a week. So wherever you are, you can join us for yoga. You can check that out on our website, prenatalyogacenter.com. We have finally added our Caring for Newborn on-demand class. So now every single class, that's to our art on demand. So every single class that we have in studio, we have a corresponding video on demand because again, not everyone can come to our in studio uh, place, but I want to still be able to offer you these amazing supportive workshops. So you can check that out again on our website. Then the last thing I just want to touch base on is our teacher training. So we offer three 
a year online and one in New York City. So you can check that out. And then coming up this May, we've got our online postnatal teacher training. So if you enjoy working with the perinatal community, you're a yoga teacher and you want to learn this particular methodology to bring to your community, check all that out again on our website. Okay. Thank you so much for being part of our community. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, please enjoy Hannah's birth stories. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, Hannah. How are you? Hi, Deb. I'm good. I'm excited. I know. I can't believe after having three pregnancies with you at PYC that we're going to finally talk about your births. So this is super exciting. Thank you. Thank you for being so open and just a really pleasure to always have in class. Thanks. All right. So guess we should start with, I want to learn a little bit more about you. Tell me about yourself. Great. Um, Well, I was born in Atlanta, Georgia. I was born there. I grew up there. And I moved up to New York when I was 18 for college. Mm -hmm. And when I was in college, as part of my program, I certified as a New York City school teacher. So immediately after I graduated, I got a job in New York City public schools, where I have been ever since teaching middle school for over a decade at this point. Uh, I was living on the Upper West Side for many years, which is where I met you uh, in my first pregnancy, going in studio to PYC. And then at a certain point, uh, my family and I moved out to Queens, where we have been ever since. I love every time you tell me you're a middle school teacher, I'm like, bless your soul. (laughs) Having a middle schooler, I just think that is a very challenging age. And you just have the patience of a saint to do that. So... That's very exciting. (laughs) All right. So let's dive into your birth. So I'd love to hear a little bit because you've had three births um, with PYC, you know, yourself. And I know they were similar, but also that there were some big differences. So Mm -hmm. I just want to hand it over to you to, I don't know if you want to just talk a little bit about each or how they differed, but just feel free to share. Great. Well, uh, my first birth was about almost six years ago. Um, and at 41 weeks and five days, my OB uh, asked me if I could be induced. <laughs> and I didn't, wasn't really allowed to say no at that point. So I, we went along with the induction the next day. Uh, and the induction, I think it was a pretty standard induction. I got to the hospital, they hooked me up. They slowly ramped up the Pitocin. Um, and after a couple hours, started to feel a little bit of contractions. And after another couple hours, um, the contractions started to come really, really quick and really, really fast. So I basically went from, you know, maybe feeling a little bit, but not really, like not even needing to use any strategies, to full-on contractions every minute, minute and a half pretty mm. quickly. Um, and at that point I asked for an epidural though, once 
I think back to that after having my second and third birth. I wonder if at that point I had just sort of let things go, if uh, the birth would have happened much more quickly because that's sort of a theme with my births. Um, So I had the epidural and a couple hours later, uh, my baby was born. It was, you know, thinking back on that birth, it was pretty calm. It was pretty low key. I remember feeling a little bit bored in the middle of it, just sort of waiting for things to happen. Uh, And it was a great birth. I, I feel really happy with it when I think back to it. I felt like I had say in what was going on after that initial, like sort of being told that the induction was going to happen. I still felt ownership over the birth. There were moments where my OB asked if I wanted certain interventions and I said, yes, I said no. Um, so it, even though it was an induction, which is not what I had initially planned for or wanted, I still felt really good about that birth. But again, that birth felt very calm. <laughs> But it's interesting. One thing I picked up on is, so it was obviously a pretty fast birth, but it sounds like your body wasn't too off from being ready to head into that. Because if you went in and they started you straight on pit, it meant that your cervix was already changing. It was already effaced. Yeah. I I had been walking around uh, about three centimeters dilated for at least a week at that point, Mm -hmm. about a month before my daughter was born, I had a doctor's appointment where she said, I don't think I'm going to see you at the next appointment. So, um, I think my body, I think again, this sort of, we'll see this in my other two births. (laughs) I think my body just does a lot of that pre-work before actually feeling the contractions in my body. But I also love that. Again, I'm looking at this from a very kind of um, bird's eye view that one reason, if I can be so blunt about, I hate when doctors do that vaginal exam prior and then say something like, I don't think I'll see you because it can either create excitement or anxiety. And your cervix, as you've heard me say many times, not a crystal ball. So it sounds like you walked around effaced and dilated for a fair amount of time. Right. And every day thinking, is it going to be today? Is it going to be today? It definitely created that, that anticipation that went on for a month. month. (laughs) (laughs) Would you, I guess hindsight's also 50, was it 2020, 2020, that's the icing one. (laughs) Um, Do you feel like if you would rather have not known, or do you feel like that was something you were happy to have that information? I think probably I would have rather not known um, because, you know, every day I thought, is it going to be today? Is it going to be today? Which maybe I, you know, once you're at almost 42 weeks, you're thinking, you're waking up every day thinking that anyway. Um, But I think because so many weeks before I had been told and because, you know, I went from one centimeter to three centimeters, I had gone from 50% of face to uh, you know, 75, 80, I think even 90% of faced even before they started the Pitocin, mm-hmm. even before the induction. Um, I, I was just, was so geared up for it for so long. Yeah. You just need like a little, little nudge into mm-hmm. labor and clearly it, it helped. Mm-hmm. All right. Want to share about your second birth? My second birth also, uh, past 40 weeks, this was 40 weeks and two days. Um, I woke up with a contraction 
And I felt it felt wet in my bed. And I did that thing, which you hear people doing and that I was like, did I pee myself? Did my water break? Oh, my water broke. Okay. So my wa- I woke up with my water having broke. And that was at about 6 a.m. And very quickly, things started to pick up. Um, and so very quickly, I woke up my husband. We got my older daughter ready. We got her to daycare. Just doing all of those things that need to happen when you have a kid already. Mm-hmm. And I remember my husband kept being like, okay, I have this list of things to do. I'm going to do this, 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 and this, and then we can go to the hospital. And then half an hour later, he revised that list. It was like, okay, we're going to do this and this, and then we're going to go to the hospital. <laughs> and ultimately we went very quickly. Um, so we made it to the hospital uh, and they, they, I got into triage and they did the vaginal check and I was seven centimeters dilated. And I was giving birth at Jamaica Hospital, which is a midwife-run floor. And the midwife turns to me and she says, were you planning on having an epidural? And I said, well, I haven't decided yet. I was thinking about it. I'm not sure. And she looks me in the eye and she says, you need to prepare mentally for the fact that that's probably not going to happen. Hmm. So I mentally prepared for that not going to happen. So What did they that got- look like in your mind to be like, well, okay. Basically, just okay, here we go. (laughs) Um, And so by this point, it's about, uh, I think it was about 840. They got me into a room, my doula shows up, um, and they get me on a birth ball. And I labored that whole labor sitting on a birth ball. Um, And just in that birth, um, a, a mantra was the thing that was really helping me through. It was going very, very quickly. Uh, and so I just, I can, I will, I am just kept coming back to me, kept coming back to me. My doula picked up on that. And so then she started to say it to me. And I, I remember having that crisis of confidence moment in that birth because again, all of a sudden it was just so fast. They were coming really fast. I was getting no break and it just, it felt like it, it was it was too fast. I I felt like I just couldn't get a handle on it. Mm-hmm. And I said, I said, I can't do this. I can't do this. Uh, and my doula says to me, you can do this. You are doing this. And so I just sort of took a breath and got it through the next contraction. And by 920, so just over three hours after I woke up, my baby was born. So mm-hmm. again, a very, very fast birth. Um um and yeah that's amazing <laughs> all right so and i remember that was during the pandemic if i remember that was correctly. during the pandemic yeah, yeah. So uh, I remember- it was it was so fast that they did a covid test when i got into my hospital room uh-huh. and the baby was born before the rapid covid test came back <laughs> i remember you popping online for these. Okay. Right. So wait, were you at one point, were you back down in Georgia for some of this? Uh, maybe I, I would travel down to visit my parents. I remember. Yeah. I remember sometimes the, the background is different. Um, I definitely (laughs) did it from New Jersey with my in-laws because my mother-in-law is a a certified yoga instructor and she hopped on with me once. Maybe that's what I'm thinking. All right. So baby number three, which as we're recording this is how many weeks old? Uh, She's four months. Okay. 
All right. So, okay. So pretty recently. All right. So let's talk about baby number three. So baby number three, uh, was my first birth where I actually had some labor. (laughs) So, um, again, I'm 40 weeks in one day. So again, over the quote unquote due date, um, and feeling really, really ready to be done with this pregnancy and to meet this baby. Uh, and I, around bedtime, reading to my older kids, putting them to bed, I finally start to feel something though. I had been having contractions on and off for a couple of two or three weeks at that point. Mm -hmm. Uh, but they were just, they were never consolidating. So I would have them on and off for an hour and then it would stop. And then the next day on and off for an hour and then it would stop. So finally, this one evening, things started. I went I out for a really long walk and just hoped that that would get things moving a little bit more. I did a curb walk where you like walk half on the curb and half not to try mm-hmm. and jiggle things. Um, and uh, it did. So finally, the contraction starts to consolidate. Um, I get back home. And again, we do all of the things that we need to do to prepare when you have older kids at home. We called my in-laws who were coming in. We called my doula. We just kept checking in because the contractions were, were starting. They weren't super strong yet. They were consolidating, you know, starting to become every 15 minutes, every 10 minutes, every five minutes. And by about 11 o'clock, they, they were really starting to pick up. I was on my yoga mat. I had my blocks. I was doing all of the things that you tell us to do as <laughs> this, the, um, as the labor was beginning. Uh, and finally my, my father-in-law gets there and my husband and I start heading to the hospital and the hospital's about 10 minutes away. But for some reason it took us over 30 minutes to get there at 11 o'clock at night on huh. a random Tuesday night. Construction? Uh, I don't know. Um, <laughs> but labor labor stopped while we were in the car. I think I had maybe one contraction while we were in the car. Okay. Um, and we get to the hospital and still labor is pretty stalled. Um, and so feeling a little frustrated, thinking, should we have come to the hospital? Should I have stayed at home a little bit longer? Uh, and just feeling like that we were in for a long night. You know, my mm-hmm. first two births had been pretty fast, but my first two births, I hadn't really had any labor at home. So I was gearing up for a, a long labor. Um, my my OB comes in and she does a vaginal check and I'm three centimeters dilated, which is exactly what I had been that morning when I had had an appointment with her. So I am feeling really, really frustrated at this point because I'd been laboring for four or five hours. There had been no change. And again, I'm just feeling like we're going to be here forever. We're going to, we have a long, long, long night ahead of us. Um, They do, they put, they hook me up to the fetal monitor and still labor is really slow, uh, still hasn't picked up since we got to the hospital. Uh, at about one in the morning, um, the nurse comes in and my my OB is wonderful uh, and she is super progressive in a lot of ways, 
but she also uh, is a little old school in a couple ways. So she really likes to do enemas. So at about one o'clock, the nurse comes in to perform the enema, which she does. And she says that she will check back in in half an hour. I need to stay in the bathroom for half an hour and then she'll check back in. So she does the enema. I go to the bathroom. I'm sitting there for a while. Uh, and my husband comes and joins me and we sit there and we're talking for a while. And after about 20 minutes, uh, things start to pick up The contractions are starting. Uh, they bring the birth ball into the bathroom since that had been something that had really helped me in my second birth. We, and I sat on the birth ball for a while. Um, and pretty quickly things, things really start to pick up. So those really fast contractions, almost no break. Um, really strong, pick up really, really quickly. And so 1.30 comes and goes when the nurse says that they're going to come back in. Nurse doesn't come back in. Um, and the contractions are coming more and more. And I am feeling exhausted. Still in my brain, I'm like, this is going to be hours and hours. I can't do this for hours. Mm -hmm. I'm exhausted. I, I'm normally asleep by 10 o'clock. So it's 1.30 in the morning. I'm exhausted already. And in my mind, I'm going to be doing this for five or six more hours. Mm -hmm. So my doula has the idea to get me onto the bed. Um, so I'm on the bed on my knees and she puts the back of the bed up. So it's straight up and down. And so my stomach is sort of leaning on the back of the bed and my hands are on top of the bed and I can mm -hmm. put my head down on my hands, sort of like a pillow. Mm -hmm. And so in between contractions, she tells me to rest, which I know Deb is something that you tell us all the time to rest in between contractions. And I'm going to be honest. I never believed you. <laughs> Like, Thank how you can for you rest in between contractions? <laughs> when you're that exhausted, you rest. You're and like, I did. It's almost like you pass out, momentarily pass out. That's exactly what happened. In between, yeah. you know, 30 seconds, 45 seconds in between, I closed yeah. my eyes, I passed out, and then the next one would start. And so at this point, it's maybe 140, 145. And I, I feel like I have to push. But again, in my brain... I'm going to be doing this for another four or five hours. So I, it's not time to push yet. So, I, but I keep saying, I, I think I need to push. So my husband goes out to get the doctor because still nobody has been in the room since one o'clock when they did the enema. So a resident comes in and I gave birth at the beginning of July. And anybody who knows uh, how hospitals work, new residents start July 1st. So this was still a, a pretty new resident. Uh, and she comes in and they want to do another check. And so they say, okay, Hannah, turn around so she can do the vaginal check. And I say, no, I, yeah. I am not turning <laughs> around right now. And the resident, to her credit, and I appreciate this, she said, okay. And so she did the vaginal Amazing. check while I was on my knees. And she said, I was nine and a half centimeters dilated, but the amniotic sac was still intact. Mm -hmm. So I take that in. I'm like, okay, maybe this isn't going to go forever, but I still feel like I need to push and it still feels too early. I have another contraction and I feel a whoosh. My water has broken. And I say to my doula, I, I feel like I need to push. And she says, so listen to your body. So on the next contraction, so two after I had the vaginal check at nine and a half centimeters, 
on the next contraction, I push and I push and I push and I push. And on that contraction, the baby is born. Doctor still isn't in the room. Resident didn't realize this was going to happen. So she was turned the other way while this is happening and turned around just in time to catch the baby. Um, and my third baby was born. <laughs> my jaw is like dropped. She didn't realize, was she listening? Like, how did she not know that you were pushing? She knew I was pushing, but I didn't think she realized that I was going to have the baby in one contraction and one push. Okay. Fair enough. But okay. I'm just taking this in. So she caught the baby. She caught the baby. I turned around. My doctor came in at that point. And so she, you know, um, cut the cord and they did uh, put her on my chest and cleaned everything up. And that was baby number three. Oh my goodness. All right. I have so many more questions, but we need to take a break. I need to gather my thoughts on all these questions. All right. Let's take a super quick break. When we come back, we got to... We got to go into this more. All right, we'll be right back. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Okay. We're back. So I'm still like all these thoughts. First of all, I just love that you introduced your doctor to something. Do you realize that, that, that resident that may have not really seen many births now understands that you don't have to be on your back and it's very possible to birth in different positions. And you did that. Like you taught that doctor something that can influence how they practice and how they support other people for years to come. I think that's pretty amazing. Yeah. And so my doctor is very, uh, very supportive of people pushing in different well, positions. The resident, the resident that didn't realize, cause think of like a brand new resident mm. that probably hadn't seen many births. Not, yeah. not your doctor, doctor. I was talking for about sure, the, for the, sure. the resident that was like, what? We can do this on our hands and knees. I don't know. I just think that's remarkable. Right. I also pushed out my, my middle daughter, not on my back, uh, because my doctor is really supportive, uh, of that. So, um, you know, at that hospital, it, it isn't as uncommon as it is in some places, I think. Well, that that's amazing. So I love that you listened to your body and just kind of went for it. Was there, what helped you when they said, okay, Hannah, come onto your back to be like, nope, not going to do it. What, where did you find that courage? Because I don't think a lot of, I think that's hard to do. I don't think I physically could have at that point. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. Um, but also, uh, you know, that morning in in class, and you might remember this, I had come to uh, prenatal that morning with you, mm-hmm. and I, I was totally done and ready to have this baby. And you had offered the mantra, listen to your body, 
uh, listen to your baby or trust the trust, trust your body. Uh, yep. Trust your baby. Trust the process. Right. Exactly. Um, and so, you know, that had been in my head all day and my, my husband had been telling, retelling me that all day. Cause after class, I told him that you had offered that mantra and he was like, yeah, you should be trusting your body right now. So I think I had that earworm in my, in my head all day, mm-hmm. which really made it, um, made it possible for me to, to do what I needed to do and, and to listen to my body in that way. I, I wasn't going to turn around at that point. I, I couldn't. That's so great. And that's what your body was saying. That's how your baby needed to come out. So what's really fascinating is that even though your third birth was longer than your first two, it was still, if we look at kind of the general, kind of like that bell-shaped curve, it was Mm -hmm. still on the the quicker than your average birth. Mm -hmm. What were some of the differences that you really saw? Because they have a similarity, all your births. Were there also some differences that you saw that you want to talk about? I mentioned before that my first birth felt really calm. Yeah. My second birth felt very frenetic. There was a about half an hour between when I got to the hospital room and when my baby was born. So Mm. everything was just moving really, really fast. And I didn't have a second to think. I didn't have a second to process anything. It it was just, I was just going. Um, And I think in my third birth, like we were saying before, I, I really had to listen to my body and figure out what it was that I needed and mm-hmm. do that. And I, you know, I had the support of my husband, I had the support of my doula, but it, it wasn't, there was the time to think and to notice. And mm-hmm. so I, I had to think and I had to notice. Mm-hmm. So I know because they were fast and especially when your midwife's like, yeah, you may not have that epidural. Um, and then again, you had kind of like on the spot be like, okay, how did you wrap your head around what was happening so quickly to get grounded? I know you said you had to kind of think and notice, but was there anything that just helped you be like, okay, this is what's happening. I got to go with it. Or, and you said it was really quick. What else gave you pause to just not get overwhelmed by how quickly things were going? In both, in both of my second and my third births, I did use mantras Mm. and just coming back to that was really helpful. And like I said, my, my doula and my husband both were tuned into that. And when I wasn't sure what to do or when I wasn't sure where to go, both of them in both births came back to that mantra, which helped Mm. me to, I think, ground myself and, and come back to come back to the moment that I was in. And that's what they also use when we hit that crisis of confidence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's funny. I was just telling in class yesterday, um, I was in Costa Rica last week and this is kind of, I thought about labor. I was doing this zip lining bridge crossing at, which I didn't know there was going to be a bridge crossing involved. And it was terrifying to me, terrifying. And it reminded me of birth that, I had to continue on the bridge because I couldn't turn back. There are people behind me. And I had to use a mantra. I literally said to myself with every step, I'm strong, I'm capable, I'm strong, 
am capable. And I love that you use mantras too, because it can keep us going forward when we're feeling stuck and it can give us courage in that moment of overwhelm. So I'm a mantra girl too, and I'm glad it worked for you. And for me, having somebody else say my mantra to me was really Mm. helpful. That's good. So listeners, note that. Tell your tell your tell your support team. So how do you feel comparing your births may have held you back? I don't know if this is comparing my births, but I think it's just comparing in general, whether it's the pregnancies, the births, the babies mm-hmm. that I have. I often fall into the like shoulds. So, you know, at this point, I should be doing this. At this point, I should have this happening. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that that's something that I really struggle with in a lot of areas. And if I'm thinking about parenting more generally, the some of the most difficult moments I have had as a parent is when I'm doing that shoulding, that, that comparing of two kids, my kid to somebody else's kid, my experience to somebody else's experience. And those are the moments where I definitely uh, struggle the most is when I'm doing that comparison. Mm -hmm. I think that's going to speak to other folks too, that shooting. I think a lot of us do that. So how do you feel you have evolved as a parent through each pregnancy and birth? Um, I think that I've gotten a lot more flexible (laughs) with things. I was thinking about this question and, you know, with my first birth when I, or my first baby, when I was nursing, I had my boppy, I had my two places in the apartment where I would sit and I would nurse and I needed everything exactly as it needed to be before I started nursing. Uh, And by the time I got to the third kid, it was wherever, whenever, while I was reading to this one, while I was getting this one's dinner ready. Um, So it really forced me to be a lot more flexible. Uh Um, But when I was thinking about each of my three births specifically, I think that in my first birth, and I think a lot of people feel this way, is everything is just so new that everything felt really really big and really scary. Anytime I felt a twinge, every time something was different, I would like immediately go to Google and be like, is this random thing normal? Or have, you know, a long list of questions to ask my, my provider. Uh, and I felt almost on edge that whole pregnancy because I, mm-hmm. I didn't know what was happening really. And I didn't know what to expect. Mm-hmm. I think in my second birth and my second pregnancy, I knew what to expect. So you know, this weird thing happens or I feel this thing, you know, okay, that happened last time or I know that's normal now and I didn't feel as on edge about things. Mm -hmm. And I think with my third birth, and I mentioned this before, I, I was really able to listen to my body. So not just noticing that, oh, this, I'm having this feeling, but actually taking that next step and be like, I'm having this feeling. What is my body telling me right now? What is Mm -hmm. it that I need right now? Why am I having this feeling right now? And I think just having had the experience with two pregnancies already, I was able to sort of notice and take that next step for myself. 
and trust. You really, really built trust in yourself and your body's capability. For sure. This is, uh, I think, exemplifies that. Um, I ran the New York City Marathon five weeks pregnant. Um, amazing. As I found out I was pregnant a couple days before, and I had done all the training, and my doctor said it was okay. So I ran the marathon. Um, and for, you know, runners often have their routines, their things that they do before a big race. And so I always, I knew exactly what I was going to eat, exactly when I was going to eat it. I was all ready and prepared. And then minutes before I was set to leave to, to go to the starting line, I threw up because it was my first trimester and I was nauseous. And I was like, oh my goodness, what, what do I do right now? Do I need to eat more? Do I, and everything was thrown off. And so I had to figure out in the moment what to do, but that meant that throughout the marathon at every aid station, I couldn't just be like, oh, I know every three miles I do this. I needed Mm -hmm. to really listen to my body because my routine was already thrown off. And so any aid station, every mile, whenever people were handing things out on the street, I had to think to myself, is this something that I need right now? Do I need water? Do I need Gatorade? Do I need to eat something? Um, And actually listen to my body and if I needed that or not. I like that you talked about the listening to your body and the trust because it's one of my challenges I find that a lot of yoga teachers say, oh, listen to your body, listen to your body, which I think is so necessary. But a lot of people... They don't know how to listen to their body. They have, they, I think there can be fear for some things like, what does that mean? What does that mean? But it sounds like you really took the time to get to know what your body was telling you, like to have the conversation of this is just a sensation and it's fine instead of the panic. Because I think a lot of us can be too in our heads and not have, and I mean, that's what yoga means. It is union. And oftentimes it's the union of the mind and the body. So to say, listen to your body means that people have had that foundation conversation and you, you did put the work in to know what your body was needing. And I think I just want to commend you for that because I think that's a very hard place to get to, to listen and trust as opposed to just go to panic and disconnection. So it seems like it really served you. For sure. Wow. I'm amazed. All right. We're going to take another break. When we come back, what is one final tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new and expectant parents? And as we talked about, you've gone through this three times. You have a lot of experience. So take a moment, think about what you want to answer. We'll be right back. Okay, we're back. So I'm, I'm very curious to hear how you're going to answer this. What is your final tip or piece of advice you'd like to offer new and expectant parents? I think the last thing that I want to say is just to to let good be good enough. I am definitely mm-hmm. one of those like type A stereotypical New Yorkers uh, who really wants everything to be perfect all the time. If I'm in charge of something, I want it to go perfectly without a hitch and uh, really get anxious when that isn't what happens. And I think the thing that I have had to learn as a parent, especially as uh, more children have joined my family and the level of chaos has exponentially increased, that sometimes good is good enough. 
and it doesn't have to be perfect and that's okay. And good is good enough. I just had that conversation with my daughter this morning. Her teacher keeps saying, we want you guys to be the best class. And I kept saying, you know, (laughs) you don't have to be the best class because you have to learn the bumps along the way. Mm -hmm. So I really, really appreciate that because I think that can help our children as well as our mental anxiety about having to be the best. So I like that. Good is good enough. I think I might put that on a magnet and put it on my fridge. (laughs) Oh, Hannah, this has been such a joy speaking to you. I have loved watching you move through these three pregnancies and hearing your stories. And I so remember that last class that you were in. I 100% remember. You're like, I'm just going to take it on my own. And you did. And it was just, it's really been an honor. So thank you for being part of our community. Thank you. I think so much of my ability to listen to my body is from going to yoga and, and hearing all of the, the advice and the stories that you and everybody else tells. And I think that gave me the ability to listen and to understand. And I have taken that into yoga post PYC and, you know, I'll do a, I'll take a class and they'll offer something and I'll think, no, I'd really rather do it this way today. (laughs) I love it. I support that. Thank you so much. This has been an episode of Yoga Birth Babies, produced by Prenatal Yoga Center. You can catch us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Periscope. I'm Deb Flaschenberg. Thanks for listening.